It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hayward, left-hand dribble, bounce pass, Gobert looking for 30! He's got 31! And the foul! He'll buy it! He'll get one free! And Vivid Smart on the is on their feet! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 24th of March, a pack Friday. Plus, the Jazz heading to face the Clippers in what's, oh, maybe the biggest game of the year. No questions asked. We'll break that down. We'll look at what happened last night's Clippers loss means, where the standings sit, and get you ready for the weekend. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, we'll have a pack Friday today that's going to be kind of awesome because I'm going to get on my high horse and talk about how great pack is uh, and explain why it's so great, why it's valuable, why you should pay attention to it in a very, uh, you know, as I said yesterday, self-serving way. But I actually believe it. Like, it's it's fun to have built something and then have it become more and more relevant uh, all the time and be able to show you uh, what its value is over time. So we're going to really back up a little bit on pack and – uh, explain it, and I think we'll see that today. Then we'll also talk about uh, where we sit with the playoffs. Uh, empty the noggin. Great feedback. Uh, I almost want to send out like an on-air survey. So, like, like I actually, like, the feedback I got yesterday was great. So the question seems to be from everybody that they're having a hard time finding it this year as we moved it over to 1280 The Zone. Um, we need to still post it at We Are Utah Jazz for many of you who have bookmarked it there. Seems like that's some of it is what's happened this year, by the way, just to let you know, is there's a lot of people working really hard on it. It used to just be me posting it. It would look like crap. It would have um, spelling errors and grammatical errors and just was crap. Like it just it wasn't. And so a bunch of people have really worked really, really hard doing extra work that they barely probably get compensated for. And I greatly appreciate uh, trying to make it so that it is looks better and reads better and doesn't have all those errors. It's great. Like, if these are people really trying to do the best thing they possibly can. In turn, it gets delayed a little bit. In turn, it gets, um, you know, it's not quite as immediate, and, and that's the drawback. And so we're trying to balance uh, somewhere in there. But there's... And so just when some of the numbers came out, it was really frustrating to me. Like, what's going on? But there is definitely some reader confusion. Um, so I appreciate it. It was really good feedback yesterday. I was thinking yesterday I was actually over at Deer Valley skiing for a few hours. And on the chairlift, I was thinking, I was like, I'm going to come up with a survey. And the survey was going to be like, okay, um, if I read Empty the Noggin, uh, I read it at A, 
1280thezone.com. B, weareutahjazz.com. C, I have no idea where I read it. I just get it off some link. Or D, I can never find it. So who knows? Okay, then the next survey was uh, when I don't read Empty the Noggin, it's because A, uh, we sucked and I don't want to read about it. B, uh, who has time to actually read your crap every day? Fair point. C, because uh, I can't find it. D, uh, because I forget to get to it during the day and think. You know, like I actually like. I think that's like I got it. Like from people, and I was just kind of playing around uh, with the different scenarios. So, uh, thank you very much for that feedback. If anybody else wants to give me any at dlock09 at gmail dot com, that's great. Um, and I probably some of that's my fault. A lot of this is my fault. Uh, Facebook also, I haven't done a great job linking off Facebook, which is generally a really good place. People link much more off Facebook than they do off Twitter uh, and Google+. Plus. So I should, uh, I think someone still uses Google+, Plus out there somewhere. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, good to get that out of the way. So I appreciate you guys' feedback is always terrific. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering, Blue Apron dinner last night was awesome. Uh, we went with the COD, the Noki, the kids that get the Noki while I'm out of town tonight, I think. Uh, so that promo code is L-O-C-K-J-A-Z-Z for three uh, free meals if you still want to do it. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai uh, and the really Blake and the really good people over at 4646 South State Street and the Hyundai uh, Murdoch Hyundai, the Murdoch family and the Santa Fe that I'm enjoying so much. So we'll dig into that uh, in a little bit. Pack Friday. Uh, we'll get to it in a second. But where do we start every single one of our shows? And have you sent me your pin yet? Have you sent me your pin? Please do. Send me your pins across the world at dlock09 at gmail.com and let me know uh, where it is you listen from, how you listen. Uh, no, not how you listen, but where you listen from and what it is that uh, uh, made you a jazz fan. Uh, this one uh, comes in from Pasco, Washington. Uh, just uh, from Mike Barrett saying hi. Um, and... Uh, um, he wanted to know, um, oh, this was earlier in November when Gordon wasn't shooting the three. He had a, 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 uh, pack question and a mailbag question. I was just getting here. Uh, and he wanted to know if Gordon's pack, considering at the time when we were doing it, Gordon was really struggling in his pack was about 0.9. And if he got his three, his three point shooting was not very good. If his three point shooting got going, could we expect his pack um, to get much higher? And it's gone up to, he said, can we get to 2.0? It's at 1.5. So that was that was a November 16th email uh, from Mike. It's a really good, um, that's a good catch on your part, um, Mike, is that the, uh, that absolutely you kind of, you grab the concept that as Gordon is three-point shooting, which has been about 41% since December 1, has gotten better uh, than, Absolutely, that's that's precisely what happened. He's gotten much more efficient. Uh, Clippers lost last night. It's it's a good loss for the Jazz. More, it would have been a huge win for the Clippers, truthfully, than it was uh, for the Jazz. Uh, it's it's a bigger deal had they won than the fact that they lost. So uh, that game was a should have win, kind of sixty five fifty five percent area. They have they have two more of those games. The Clippers, the rest of the way, have. As, as John Schumann did today, kind of the easy schedule. They have two games that are 80% win probability. They have four games that are 65 to 80. Those are the ones where if somehow they can drop 
one or two of those, it changes everything. They have four games that are at 65 to 55%. So you kind of knew they were going to lose one of those because they have four of them. Uh, and they've won one, lost one. And so now the question is, what do they do with the next two? And then here's the crazy thing. The Clippers only have one game left that's a pick and only one game left where they're not going to be probably favored. Uh, so now if the Jazz... You know, the Jazz have them on Saturday, which is, I think, a should win at 65%. If the Jazz can get Saturday, then the Jazz have the tiebreaker. They're up three with nine to play. And if they can do that, then I would up, then I would suspect that the Jazz, uh, should, uh, hold, hold off the Clippers. Then they have to hold off Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has won all of their certains. They now have four games left of likely win 65 to 80. One game left at 65-55, and their determining factor is going to be they have three games left that are pick'ems, 45% to 55% chance to win, and two games left that are 35 to 45%. So if they go grab, those are that's five games total. If they grab three of those five, then then they really start to cook a little bit. Uh, and that's probably what we got to keep an eye on uh, with Oklahoma City. And Memphis, by the way, still has... Uh, Memphis only has two games that they're scheduling losses, just Warriors, Spurs type things, and then one that's a thirty-five to forty-five. But and then the other nine games, the Memphis plays, they have a win probability of fifty-five percent or more, and on six of the nine, they have a sixty-five percent or more. So if Memphis is really playing well, they're going to start clicking off a bunch of wins. Now they dropped a bunch. Remember when I first did this, I thought the Jazz were going to be seventh, tied at fifth with fifty wins. I still think the Jazz are going to be at 50 wins. Uh, the only difference is the Clippers, who I originally had 52, I now have at 50. Oklahoma City, I still have at 49. And Memphis, who I had 50, or Memphis, who I had 50, I have at 49. And, Memf- uh, and I just misspoke. Oklahoma City, who I had 49, 50, I have at 49. And Memphis, who I had at 51, I have 48. So kind of everybody else has slid there uh, for a little. Right now, uh, as we stand, my projections have the Jazz finishing with 50. The Clippers finishing with 50, but that's with the Clippers winning. Uh, Oklahoma City at 49 and Memphis at 48. Uh, Again, if the Jazz can flip that so the Jazz suddenly go to 51 with a win over the Clippers, the Clippers then would drop to 49. They'd likely tie with Oklahoma City. Now gets to the question of what playoff matchup do you think is best. So the Clippers have kicked the crap out of the Jazz twice this year, and they have all that experience. But, boy, they were just terrible down the stretch again last night. Uh, I, I find it hard to say I'd rather match up with the Clippers, but there's the one – let's talk about big picture for the Jazz. So the Jazz struggle defensively when they're playing a team that has uh, the ability to stretch the floor. So the Jazz defense struggles when there's a five that can go out on the floor. Now, now the Jazz have some problems because you, you see it a lot with George Hill. He'll look behind him like, where was my help? Well, there, there's no help, buddy. When Rudy's, when Rudy is all the way out on the floor at the distance that he is uh, so off, you know, because at 30, 25 feet because they have a shooting five, there there is no help. There's nothing you can uh, – there's nothing we can do to help you uh, with that and, and get you in, in, in any way. So that's where the Jazz have really struggled is in those circumstances. 
uh, with a stretch five. The nice thing for the Jazz is there's no playoff matchup that has a stretch five for them. Right? Clippers, the nice matchup with the Clippers is that DeAndre Jordan stays in around the basket. The nice matchup with the Thunder is Steven Adams stays around the basket. The nice matchup uh, with any is that Memphis is the team. Uh, Memphis is the one that gives the Jazz uh, the real struggle. When you look so far this year at the Jazz' worst defensive games, that that's what you see. Uh, the Jazz defense obviously has not been as great recently, but if you just kind of if we go through it, and we've done this before, but if you look at when our our worst defensive games. They have been all, most recently, against those type of teams. Um, Now, the Jazz have not, specifically the Clippers, let's not get too excited about what we think the Jazz defense does to the Clippers. Though is much a matchup. The first game of the year, the Jazz had a 96.9 defense, which was pretty good. But then the next two meetings, which were both in Utah, they didn't. The The last time these two teams met, the Clippers defensive the Clippers had a 118 offensive rating. Jazz, for the season, hold people to 102.3, and the Clippers were at 118. And in the previous matchup, uh, the Jazz have at 95. So the last time the two teams played, the Jazz just beat them offensively. And the Jazz just couldn't score in the previous offensive matches. So that last time out was was strange because the Jazz just didn't get nearly the defensive. They had one of the best offensive games of the year, which is maybe equally as important. Uh, the Clipper matchup, I think, is good for the Jazz because when Mba Mute is on the floor, then the Jazz uh, can defend a little better. And when he's off the floor, then the Clippers can't guard Gordon Hayward. Oklahoma City's interesting because Oklahoma City, the Jazz have a hard time stopping defensively because Russell can pl- plays in the mid-range and you just have to let Russell either beat you or don't. Um and the other angle on it is that Andre Robertson causes Gordon Hayward a lot of problems. And so that's not a great matchup. But it's the playoffs. Nothing's going to, you know, they're going to be able to cause, they're going to be talking about Rudy Gobert causing them problems. So I'm not sure there are. Memphis, to me, is the one team that fundamentally does something to us that we struggle with. Uh, and so I, I, that's, I, would, I get a little nervous on that, but I don't see that scenario happening. And Houston... As much as I know, a lot of people like to say, well, we, we want Houston. Uh, we have played them fairly well, but and we have the tiebreaker against them, ironically. But to beat them in November, our offensive rating was 132, which is the best we've had all season long, went 15 of 28 from three. I'm not sure it's fair to expect us to do that with any regularity. Our last time we played them, our offensive rating was 120. So we're to beat the Rockets in the times in which we've beat them, our offense has been so great. Uh, and doing that in the playoffs would be awfully difficult. So I don't know if I think that matchup's quite as good as everyone thinks else thinks it is. Uh, one interesting note on the Jazz, f- f- uh, six or five of their last eight nights, the defensive rating has been over 110. Now, that's the Rockets, the Thunder, the Clippers. Those are good teams. The Pacers and then the Knicks the other night. Um, so I'm not, you know, the defense is just not as sharp right now as it as it needs to be. Uh, and that's probably worth uh, keeping an eye on or, or frankly, being a little, little concerned about. 
uh, along the way. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. The Murdoch family, these, these are good people. And that's what's been really eye-opening to me when, and, and fun to see, frankly, when uh, dealing with the Murdochs is the pride they have in if you buy a car from them, when you leave the building and you suddenly have your experience, the pride they have in what they believe you're going to experience. And I think that's, that's a neat thing to know if you're buying from someone who believes they've built a culture and a model that's going to be able to make it so that you leave, as they say, with no regrets uh, and feel really, really good um, about that experience. I, I think that's, uh, that's a really, really cool uh, thing. I'm driving the, the Hyundai uh, Santa Fe, and that was the big thing Blake said to me. Like, if you're going to do this, I, I've got to have you driving the car. You've got to experience the Hyundai. And, and I'm not going to lie, when I first, okay, yeah, whatever, sure. You know, like, I, I got it. That's cool. I get a car. But, like, it, you know, I don't know much about Hyundais. I've been blown away by the level of detail that Hyundai goes to, the bells and whistles of an elite, you know, luxury car that you have uh, while driving really, really well. And then all the safety features along the way at prices that are just, they're fat. You know, in a day and age where buying a car, we were just all talking about the other day uh, on on our bus, uh, on the jazz, on the you know broadcast department. Kind of media has a bus, and other than the players, and we were we were all talking about like buying a car and how expensive it is now and difficult it is, and uh, and the, you know Hyundai suddenly is not in that category. Like they make it feasible. They have vehicles under fifteen thousand. They have vehicles under from fifteen to twenty five thousand. They have vehicles over twenty five thousand, and and they're all well done. And they all come with a hundred thousand uh, mile Hyundai guarantee. So it's really really cool. Uh, so check it out, uh, Hyundai Murdoch Hyundai forty six forty six South State Street, two twenty seventeen Santa Fe Sport for nineteen ninety. It's pretty incredible. $19,990. It's really incredible. All right, let's go to Pack Friday. All right, here's what I want to talk about. Uh, there's a bunch of things that have happened this year that I, I've tried to explain to people. So the, when I try to figure out, this all started because we were trying to figure out the, the value. I had a, an offensive system. It was, you couldn't really understand it. It, it didn't. You know, so, like, Danilo Gallinari is a 32.5. Like, it didn't have any value. Like, it was hard to figure out what that meant. Like, Kevin Durant leads the league at 56. Like, like what is that? And so Kyle Korver was on fire, and I was trying to find a way to prove that Kyle Korver's value, and this was a few years ago. And so what I finally did was, wait a second, well, if Korver, what does the average player do with the same possessions that Korver's doing, and how many more points per game is Korver creating? The, the, that that was to show the value, the positive of him. And we can do the same with someone like Rudy Gobert. So Rudy Gobert, when you see teams that take away Rudy's role, like the Clippers will, on Saturday, it's a big deal because Rudy's using 10 scoring opportunities tonight, and he's putting the Jazz ahead of an average offensive player at 2.6 points in those 10 possessions. That's the same offensive impact that Kawhi Leonard's having in 21 offensive possessions, that Kyle Lowry's having in 18, that Steph Curry's having in 20. Steph Curry's pack this year is 2.7, and Rudy Gobert's is 2.6. That means that in the possessions that Rudy Gobert uses, his team is 2.6 points better than an average offensive team. Steph Curry's 20 scoring opportunities, they're 2.7 points better. About the exact same. Now, there's a real value to having a high-usage player 
like Kevin Durant, Isaiah Thomas, James Harden, Steph Curry, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, over Rudy Gobert. There's a value to it. And that value is that a guy like Rudy, if he's using 10 possessed scoring opportunities, and Steph Curry's using 20, that there's another 10 to be used. Now, if Rudy's on a really good team, and those 10 are being used positively, then he's even more valuable. But the chances are those other 10 possessions are not being used at the same level that Steph Curry, LeBron, James Harden uses theirs. And so that's why Steph Curry, LeBron, James Harden are are larger value offensive players, even though their pack is similar, because there aren't another 10. What is equally as important to this is the negative side of the story. And this is what has really been eye-opening this year. So when Justice Winslow is using 13.8 possessions or scoring opportunities a night at negative 4.4, he is destroying the team. Justice Winslow was on the Miami Heat, and he was a negative 4.4 back player. He was more negatively impactful with his play than Kevin Durant is offensively good. And Justice Winslow goes out for the season. When does Justice Winslow uh, go out for the season? Justice Winslow gets hurt and is out for the season January 4th. What has happened since that day? Miami started winning. Why? Because Justice Winslow stopped playing. That's why, truthfully. There's really, that's the answer. Their offensive rating in October was 99. Their offensive rating in November was 99. Their offensive rating in December, when he started getting in and out of the lineup, went up to 102. Justice Winslow didn't play in January. It was 105. It's now up to 110. And in March, it's 112. They got rid of the singularly worst offensive player in the league. And what happens? Oklahoma City got rid of Cameron Payne just recently, who's the second worst offensive player in the league. Fortunately for the... Uh, and he hasn't played a lot. He's only played 460 minutes. So he's, But what's happened in March? Oklahoma City's offense has gone from a 106 to a 110. If you get rid of terribly net offensive players, this is a huge impact. Let's keep going. The Denver Nuggets suddenly started playing well. What happened there? Emmanuel Moutier is a negative 1.8 pack player. They stopped playing him. In November, when he was their starting point guard, their offensive rating was 102. Then in December, it went to 110. Then they stopped playing him, and he got hurt. In their January, they went to 115. Then in February, they started playing him again. He went down to 110, and in March, they stopped playing him, and their offensive rating went to 116. Why? Because Emmanuel Moutier, in 12 scoring opportunities a night, was a negative 2 pack player. It's death to have one of these guys playing with regularity on your team. I've been trying to preach this forever. I now have value to show it. The Memphis Grizzlies are beginning to play better. Why? Chandler Parsons is hurt. 
and out for the year. Negative 1.6 pack player. Now, some of this, you better have somebody who's replacing Chandler Parsons who's good, and I'm not sure Memphis has that. And they have Zach Randolph, who's probably getting more possessions, who's at negative 1.6 pack also. So it's not as great for them as it is in some other circumstances. But getting rid of Chandler Parsons, seven scoring opportunities a night at negative 1.6 helps them immensely. And they're better because of it. This... And not to mention Chandler Parsons' inadequate defense. Chicago. Let's look at Chicago just recently. So Dwayne, Chicago's last five games, Chicago's offensive rating for the season is a 104.3. Their last four games, starting with the Jazz, is one, or no, starting with the Wizards. First game, Dwayne Wade was out. Here's the offensive rating for the Chicago Bulls in the games prior to Dwayne Wade's injury. 94, 94, 99, 96, 85, 81. And then they bust out for a 115 against Charlotte. They have a 101 against Memphis. And then I believe that's the game where Wade's done. He gets hurt in that game. So they, and for all I know, he took the uh, Charlotte Hornets game off. I don't have that. So they play Washington. Their offensive ratings of 107. They play the Jazz. Their offensive ratings of 105. They play Toronto. Their offensive ratings of 112. They play Detroit last night. Their offensive ratings of 127. Why? Because they got rid of Dwayne Wade. Because Dwayne Wade, even worse, was using 18 scoring opportunities a night at negative 1.6. So they now just disperse his 18 possessions across a team, and if they're not going to raise on Rondo, they get better. Dwayne Wade is the worst offensive player on that team. If you take Dwayne Wade's 18 scoring opportunities and you give them to anyone else on the roster, they get better. That's that they get better. Nikolai Mirotic is not great. He's a negative .5 pack player. But that's better than Dwayne Wade, negative 1.6. They go to Jimmy Butler, he's a positive 1.2. They go to Bobby Portis, he's a negative .3. These players are all more efficient than Dwayne Wade. So what happened? They got better. The... Pack is as revealing to who the negative players are than who the positive players are. And the Lakers continue to play Brandon Ingram to make sure they make the draft. Sorry, that was a cheap shot. But that's where Pack, the value, and the league's late on this. The league still does not understand how detrimental a bad offensive player is. They really don't. You just... Playing a deep, and if you're interested, here are the players. Let's go players have played a thousand minutes this year whose pack is over a negative one. Now, truthfully, by the way, if you, if you look at the league, maybe this is a better way to look at it. The best offensive players who've played over a thousand minutes, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve players with a pack over two. Okay, so the 12 best offensive players have a pack 
over two. Most negative players, by the time they get that bad, they stop playing. Here are the players, and there's a good deal, who have a pack that is more than negative one or more. There's some surprising names in here. Chris Dunn, not that surprising. Isaiah Whitehead, not that surprising. These have played a 1,000 minutes. Devin Booker. Now, he's getting asked to do an awful lot. He's high usage on a team where the other possessions might not be great. But, you know, keep an eye on that long term. D'Angelo Russell. Damata Sabonis playing much less with Taj Gibson. And what happens? Oklahoma State gets better. Dario Saric. Brandon Knight. Tony Allen. Terry Rozier. Reggie Jackson. Evan Turner. All negative 1.1 or less or worse. Frank Kaminsky, minus 1.2. Kent Bazemore, minus 1.2. Trey Lyles, minus 1.2. Sergio Rodriguez. Marcus Morris in Detroit. Lou Dang in L.A. Marcus Smart in Boston. It's interesting. L.A. sat Lou Dang. They should play him more if they want to lose. Deion Waiters, minus 1.4. Josh Richardson, 1.4. Ish Smith, 1.5. Negative. Brandon Ingram, Nikolai Vukovic, Zach Randolph, Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, Emmanuel Moutier. Those are players who've played 1,000 minutes. Those are the those are the biggest death nails to an offense. All right, let's go to the best in the league, the top offensive players. Those guys are 2.0. Durant leads the league still at 3.9. He hasn't played in a while. Isaiah Thomas is the second most positively impactful offensive player at 3.3. James Harden next at 3.2. LeBron at 2.8. I think this is relevant for the MVP vote, by the way. Steph Curry is 2.7. Kyle Lowry is 2.7. Kawhi Leonard is 2.6. Rudy Gobert is also 2.6. Nikolai Jokic, 2.4. Carl Anthony Towns, 2.3. How about that threesome in the Western Conference for a while? DeAndre Jordan is 2.2. Jordan Crawford, who's only played like eight games but is on fire, is a 2.0. Bradley Beal is a 2.0. Danilo Gallinari, still probably the most underrated player in the league at 1.9. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 1.9. Tyson Chandler, 1.8. Otto Porter, 1.8. Chris Middleton, is why is Milwaukee suddenly winning? Because Chris Middleton's at 1.7. And I'll bet you if you suddenly just transfer Chris Middleton's possessions to Jabari Parker's possessions, Jabari Parker uh, was a .4, Chris Middleton's a 1.7. That's a big difference. 1.3, that's a big jump. Jabari was using 17 scoring opportunities. Chris Middleton's using 12. So if, depending where those other five are going, is probably dictating... Uh, how they're surviving. Jabari's still good. Uh, Middleton's just better. Clint Capella, 1.6. Chris Paul, 1.6. Monstrell Harrell, 1.6. Gordon Hayward, 1.5. Clay Thompson, 1.5. Dwight Howard, 1.5. Damian Lillard, 1.5. Lou Williams, 1.5. So Hayward, Jimmy Butler's a 1.2, if you're wondering. George Hill's down to 1.2. He was so hot earlier this year, it was kind of unrealistic to maintain. Uh, And Paul George is a 0.9. On the Hayward Butler George combination conversation. Who are the hottest players in the NBA? The number one hottest player in the league right now is James Harden, carrying it down with a five point two here recently. He's averaging thirty three, eight, and eleven over the last ten games, shooting fifty percent from the field, thirty seven from three, and eighty four percent from the free throw line. Carl Anthony Towns is the second hottest player. Nikolai Jokic is at 4.3. Allen Anderson of the Clippers only played one game, though. Rudy Gobert is next at 4.0. So 
Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Nikolai Jokic, and Rudy Gobert, the three future centers of the Western Conference, on fire. Damian Lillard been brilliant. He's the fifth best offensive player recently. Danil Gallinari. Paul George has been brilliant, having the best month of his career, 3.4. Clay Thompson, 3.3. LeBron James carrying at 3.3. Kyrie Irving at 3.3. Um, and finally, DeAndre Jordan at 3.0. Huge. Gary Harris in Denver playing brilliantly. Uh, Steph's at 2.3. J.J. Reddick's at 2.7. Who are the coldest players in the NBA right now? Uh, Andrew Wiggins, minus 4.0 pack. Wow. Really? 37% shooting over the last 10 games. That's why I like this. I didn't know that. Marcus Morris, minus 3.5. J.R. Smith back at a minus 3.0. Tyler Eulis, minus 2.5. Mario Hazonia, minus 2.4. Ish Smith, minus 2.3. Marcus Sol struggling at minus 2.3. This is where the argument gets that Rudy Gobert has become the number one center, unless Carl Anthony or Nikolai Jokic has. Marcus Smart, minus 2.3. Zach Randolph, minus 2.3. Brandon Jennings in Washington, minus 2.1. He's actually worse than Trey Burke. Miles Turner, minus 2.0 for Indiana. Drew Holiday, minus 1.9. DeMarcus Cousins, minus 1.9 for the last 10 games. A little surprised by that. All right. He's usually positive. That, those are, let's go take your questions. Roll over here on PAC. Friday, long show, sorry. Uh, Pistons, who's actually good and who's actually bad on that team and why are they having issues? Well, so your second question is why are they having issues, which uh, is probably different than what I can answer, but maybe the numbers will tell you. Tobias Harris is a point six. He's the best. John Lohr, point two. Boban, point one. And then everybody else is Aaron Baines, point one. Then everybody else is negative. Uh, and the goal for a championship level team is for everybody to be positive. Uh Caldwell Pope is minus 0.5. Someone's going to pay him a lot of money, and I will disagree with it. Andre Drummond's a minus 0.8. They're going to try to move him at some point, and they'll be right. Uh, Stanley Johnson's a minus 0.9. Reggie Jackson's a minus 1.1. You know, they just have terribly inefficient offensive players. Marcus Morris is a minus 1.3. Is Smith is a minus 1.5. It's a roster that needs a lot of help, um, quite frankly. Thank you, Noah. Let's go to the next question. I value your opinion because I think you know your stuff when it comes to the NBA. Is Eric Mika's game? I have no idea. I have not watched him for one second. I'll watch video and then I can tell you. Thank you for your nice comment. I would like to know pack numbers for Jokic, the guys in offensive force. Well, I think I just gave them to you. Um, He is overall this year, Nikolai Jokic in Denver is uh, at 2.4. He is the... Durant's 1, Thomas 2, Harden 3, LeBron 4, Curry 5, Lowry 6, Kawhi 7, Rudy 8. Nikolai Jokic is the ninth best, most impactful offensive player, and in the last 10 games he was even better, right? In the last 10 games he's the third most impactful player. He's incredible. Uh, Rudy Gobert versus the best of the draft class. Giannis Antetokounmpo is probably the only other one in that draft class at 1.8 that has 1.9 that has a lot of value. Jazz versus Clipper Pack. That's interesting. Uh, I haven't done the Jazz tonight. We'll do the Jazz t- last. We'll do both these last ten. This will help us kind of preview for that ball game. So the Jazz for the season: Gobert's two point six, Hayward's one point five, Hills one point two, Ingles is point seven, and then 
Jeff Withy and Ball and Boy are about zero. Everybody else is negative. Neto's only a negative point one. Exum's only a negative point two. Joe Johnson's a negative point four. Alex a negative point six. Boris is a negative point six. Rodney's a negative point six. Shelvin Max a negative point eight. Derek Favors is a negative point eight, and Trey Lyles is a negative one point two. Just not what we anticipated uh, for the season. Recently, Rudy obviously has been brilliant. Uh, at a 4.0. Joe Ingles is a .9. Hayward's just a .5. Exum is a .1. Neto's a negative .1. Hood is a negative .3. Withy's a negative .4. Diaz a negative .8. Alex a negative .9. Lyle's a negative 1.2. Gordon George Hill is a negative 1.3 in the last 10 games. Derek Favors is a negative 1.3. And um, Joe Johnson is a negative 1.8. Why is George Hill so negative? wonder what's going on there. He's only shooting 27% of his shots as three, going to the free throw line 10% of his time, shooting 27% from three and 41% from the field over the last 10 games. I didn't realize that. Eight of the last 10. He's played eight of the last 10. Well, that's probably why the offense is not quite what it has been. All right, let's go to the Clippers for the season. I like this question. For the season, uh, the Clippers, DeAndre Jordan is 2.2, Chris Paul 1.6, J.J. Redick 1.1, Brandon Bass 0.8, Mo Spates 0.6, Blake Griffin 0.2, Luke Mbamute 0.2, Austin Rivers minus 0.1, Paul Pierce minus 1, Alan Anderson minus 0.3, Wesley Johnson minus 0.6, Raymond Felton, minus 0.6. Jamal Crawford, for all the love, minus 0.8. And then guys who don't play. On the last 10 games, they should play in Mute more, by the way. The fact that he just doesn't negatively use possessions when every other guy on your roster does, and he's good defensively, as much as it seems like it clogs everything up, he's still better. Um, DeAndre Jordan's a... 3.0 recently, J.J. Reddick's a 2.7, Chris Paul's a 2.1, Mo Spates is a 1.0, Brandon Bass a 0.8, Blake Griffin a 0.7, Austin Rivers a 0.4, Paul Pierce a 0.2, Jamal Crawford's even, Wesley Johnson is a negative 0.6, Raymond Felton's a negative 1.1, and Bryce Johnson, who doesn't play, is a not really good. Uh, so that is the answer to that. That was a good question. Hassan Whiteside. Oh, is this the Rudy Gobert debate? Let's see what Hassan Whiteside is. Hassan Whiteside's usually pretty good offensively, not very good defensively. This year he's a .8 pack. Why is it possible that Miami's any good? Because Dragic is a 1.0, Whiteside's a .8, James Johnson a .4, Wellington, Ellington .4, Babbitt .1, and then Tyler Johnson's a negative .5, Rodney Magruder's a negative .6, Josh McRoberts is negative doesn't play much anymore. Deion Waiters, negative 1.4. Josh Richardson, minus 1.5. And they get rid of Winslow. Are five out offenses exposing the perimeter defense since Rudy Gobert can't lock down the paint? Well, yes. We talked about that earlier. Good question. Um, let's see. Been dying to ask you, what would the league look like points above media created? No, median created. Uh, because some guys viewed as negative would probably be positive due to more parity at the bottom half. Oh, so that's an interesting 
Let me play with that, Tony. I think that's an interesting concept. So what he's saying is I'm going off average. And are there more positive or negative players? You know, there's an assumption when I go off average that of the 450 players or whatever it is, 482, um, that have played this year, that there's equal amounts on each side of average. Though I've equalized, actually I have not equalized per player, I've equalized per possession, so I think I might have actually done that to some extent, but then you have a different angle on it. I'll look at that. It's an interesting, it's a little difficult for me maybe to put together as much as I thought. It's, a, it's an interesting thought um, along the way. Well, those are great questions. I really appreciate it. Uh, we have a big one on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Join us on the radio call. Look forward to being there with you. Thanks very much for tuning in today. And uh, hope I got your questions answered. This is, this has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. By the way, if you're an NFL fan, the uh, NFL Draft Podcast did quarterbacks today. Should be a good one. Brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Stop by 4646 South State Street. It is Locked On Jazz. Napa know how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag. But most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.